Hello and welcome to Plot Twists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing A Christmas Gone Perfectly Wrong by Cecilia Grant. So this was published in 2014 and is number zero in the Blackshear family series. I'm assuming it's a prequel novella. And just FYI, is free uh, as a digital copy. So if you're interested in downloading it, it is up for grabs. And I mean, honestly, for free, it's definitely worth it. It was very cute. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, so let's dive right in with the book jacket. It should have been simple. With one more errand to go, the purchase of a hunting falcon for his soon-to-be-married sister, Andrew Blackshear has Christmas completely under control. He has no time to dwaddle, no time for nonsense, and certainly no time to drive the falconer's vexing, impulsive, lush-lipped, midnight-haired daughter to a house party before heading home. So why the devil did he agree to do just that? It couldn't be more deliciously mixed up. Lucy Sharp has been waiting all her too quiet life for an adventure, and she means to make the most of this one. She's going to enjoy the house party as no one has ever enjoyed a house party before. And in the meanwhile, she's going to enjoy every minute in the company of amusingly stern, formidably proper, outrageously handsome Mr. Blackshear. Let him disapprove of her all he likes. It's not as though they'll see each other again after today. Or will they? When a carriage mishap and a snowstorm strand the pair miles short of their destination, the journey detours suddenly into scandal. Can the properest of men and the most provoking of women find a way to work together and save their Christmas from disaster? It is not a bad book jacket at all. It works. It's cute. It's a novella. It covers all the bases without spoiling the fun. Yeah. And it, it gets it gets across what you're going to get, which is carriage accident and a snowstorm. <laughs> yep. So as usual, we generated a random number and then wrote our own summaries in, using that number as a word count. I think you'll see a, a consistency amongst our summaries and the jacket. Uh, the number this week was 25. Meg, take it away. When it starts to snow after a carriage accident, there's only one thing you can do. Share the only extra bed with your fake husband. Yep. yep. Now, this is not only one bed at the inn. No. It's this not. is it's... only one bed in the home of your kind, but not very well-to-do rescuers. Right. <laughs> the poor people, they're like, we need two beds. And they're like, we're so sorry, we only have one. <laughs> like, they don't even heat the whole house. It's, it's like, terribly embarrassing for them that they don't have a guest room. It's, it was amazing. It was... It was so sweet. It was It was just, this is my least favorite version of Christmas Story in a way. Like, there has to be some real hardship. Mm-hmm. Like, part of the spirit of Christmas is giving even when you don't have a lot yourself. And that's always, right. I've, I've always found that, like, really depressing. And it often gets taken too far uh-huh. for my desire to just have a fun, fluffy, like, happy Christmas. I think the way this book does it is like just the perfect level. This did not go too far. So like, I think oftentimes it gets taken too far and it didn't here for all. It got very into the spirit of Christmas. I agree. All right. What's your summary? Lucy is getting to a Christmas house party to husband shop by hook or by crook. Too bad. She can't do it by broken cart. It's true. So tropes lane. There's only one bed guys. Well, and 
when they realize what them they're traveling alone together on chaperones looks like to their kind rescuers, obviously they have to just tell everyone their husband and wife because anything else would be scandalous. Obviously. I also love the, it's getting cold in here trope. And this was again, taken to such an extreme because these people like don't heat their house. It was so great. I, I actually like, really loved it even though it wasn't didn't take it to my favorite it's getting cold in here trope which is it's getting cold in here so we have to take off all our clothes and warm each other up by body heat right it didn't go quite that far but it was well done yes it was it was very funny too the way everything evolved from there yep um they are awkwardly told and forced to kiss because they end up under the mistletoe which is as Christmassy as Christmas gets mm-hmm. they're kind of sort of snowed in it's not like an intense snowed in yeah and they're not alone right because right. they're staying in this house with this couple and they're they're really more snowed into the village than snowed into the house right the problem is they have a broken cart there has been a snowstorm and the village blacksmith who would be needed to fix the carriage wheel is not in town. Right. You mean he's so on Christmas vacation. Right. They, and they can't ride to the next town because of the snowstorm. So anyway, they're like, they're stranded in a town, not like in a potter shed. Right. So, I mean, the trope here is broken transportation. I mean, carriage accident. But, I mean, there are other times that other things happen. The train breaks down or, you know, whatever. But... This was, it was a little road trip romancy. A little bit, yeah. Because they leave her house and she's like manipulated him into taking her to begin with. And so a lot of the drama surrounds whether or not she'll be able to get in a carriage and then his carriage. Right. And then they pit stop at a town where she ditches her maid. Right. Causing him much consternation. And then it's between that stop and her final destination, which is not his where the breakdown happens. So I think there's there's enough tropes of a road trip romance, even if most of their falling for each other happens after they're stranded. Yeah. Um, they're both very tall, which I think is often noted in romance yeah. novels. Look, we've talked about this before. They're either he's very tall and she's very short, or they're both very tall. It's almost never that, like, they're, they're both never, short or they're not they're they're not average size if height is mentioned i think there are plenty where height's not mentioned other than vaguely he is taller than her right yes but if height is mentioned either they're both real tall or it's tall tall and small yep he is a virgin hero <laughs> and i mean i don't know if this is spoiling it you can decide later and take it out if you want lane he remains a virgin. I don't think that's spoiling anything. Yes. So he's a virgin hero until the end of the book. <laughs> this book, it, 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 for a novella, certain things dragged on a bit. It, it, felt, it felt less like a novella and more like a short novel. Yeah. This book made up a lot for me for, with the ending. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice ending. It's a really nice ending. <laughs> yeah. So Cecilia Grant, I've read two books by her. 
And her writing reminds me actually a lot of Loretta Chase, which is, I mean, one of our, she's one of my favorites. I think I would say she's one of our favorites. Yeah, you can speak to me in this regard. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) And I, what I mean by that is that the, the prose is, is not anachronistic at all. Uh, Even the dialogue doesn't feel anachronistic and it can be a little bit dense, like a lot. It feels like allusions to other works. Mm-hmm. That said, she, she, Cecilia Grant does not have that Loretta Chase humor. No, but I, I, I didn't think of it when I was reading it, but I agree, like, the, the depth of the characters was similar. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and some of the narrative structure was as well. So I see it. I don't think it's like, I, I wouldn't have noticed it if you hadn't said something, and I don't think it's enough to say they're, like, the same, and if you like one, you'll like the other, but I do no. see what you're saying. No, I, I wouldn't say if you like one, you will like the other, because they, they're different enough. I would say Cecilia Grant is very concerned with um, almost, like, uh, social mores, and yes. Loretta Chase is really more about the, the relationship and the fun. Yep. But, anyway. So Meg has complained in some of these Christmas novellas about what I feel is absolutely essential to their joy. <laughs> and it is that obviously everything needs to be packed into Christmas time. Right. So you've got like two weeks. And so they've known each other for one day before she's scheming to get in his carriage. Yeah. The, less than one day. He shows up like in the afternoon. She has him stay for dinner. He spends the night at her place. And then by the next morning, she's like, oh, I need to borrow his carriage. With him in it. Well, yes. I need to get him to give me a ride, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, the next day is when they get stranded because it's only supposed to be a couple hour trip. It's not supposed to be a long thing. And then they're sharing a bed that evening. Yes. So this all happens very fast. Very fast. How did you feel about it, given your general rejection of this joyous trope? I had no problems here. (laughs) I think some of that has to do with the way the ending happened. I think it has to do with the ending. I think it has to do with the fact that she addresses it in the text in in a pretty funny way. Like, he makes a comment about, you know, oh, you really think that being with someone for 10 days is enough to know whether you're you're able to suit and then later on you're like oh as soon as he says it really as a romance reader you're like uh-huh, you're, you're gonna get proved wrong you know <laughs> yep um but anyway I, I think it has to do with the the depth of the characterization yeah um I think that's it worked for me uh, clearly it worked for me but i I'm willing to buy it even when it doesn't actually work, so. (laughs) Right. That's totally fair. (laughs) Just being honest. I thought it was cute, though, that his motivation for all that he is a little bit of a stick in the mud. Uh, He's like a total stick in the mud. That a lot of this was for his sister. Like, anything for my sister. And my life is changing, and I've been in such rigid control of it, and I must do something big to mark the occasion. Oh, God, I'm getting a very stupid present. I love men getting bad Christmas gifts. It is just a real joy for me in the Christmas pantheon. And he got a real bad Christmas gift. Yeah, it's it's terrible. (laughs) Like the worst. The worst. And she's like gently trying to tell him that. And he's, it's just not taking. 
Mm-hmm. And they're also working at such cross purposes for so much of the book. Yeah. She's obviously trying to keep him around because she's kind of into him. She's, and he's yeah. Yeah. kind of into her, so he wants to get the hell out of there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I. This is... This is the way it's structured is it feels like it's supposed to be an opposites attract. Mm-hmm. So he's he is not only interested in maintaining the appearance of propriety, he thinks that being proper is essential for the smooth running of society, basically. Yeah, and he's one of those people that propriety isn't just what people can see you doing. Right, exactly. Whereas she's been raised by her father, who apparently is an atheist. Oh, my God. I love that. It's so funny. And one of my favorite parts, too, actually, is um, Andrew is at the dinner table. And there's this atheistic conversation going on, right? Mm-hmm. And he thinks to himself, like, this has gone far enough. Like, I have got to say something. Regardless, I know I'm a, he's my host, but I have to say something. But he, he hesitates so long trying to figure out the perfect words to say. Yep. That he never gets them out. And it, it just was, like, kind of perfect to me. Like, that, it just felt like that's what would happen to someone, you know? Yes. It was, it was just great. So he has issues expressing himself the way he would like to express himself. And I think that was explained. Like, he's the oldest of a brood of children. He's a sad, tragic orphan. His who father's ended up still around, right? Yeah. Physically. <laughs> yes. Yes. So his mom, so he's not a sad, tragic orphan, but he's, like, the oldest child in a brood of children who he needed to raise. Right. It was very uh, Anthony Bridgerton-esque. Yeah, but Violet was competent. Oh, that's true. So, like, he, Violet raised her kids. Anthony felt the need to be the moral backbone. You get the impression he raised his mother, his brothers and sisters, and was the moral backbone. I was going to say he raised, he was the moral backbone, and he raised them, yes. So, I thought that was all really adorable. So, like, you kind of had the, you got to know what his cinnamon roll center was. Yeah. Before you saw some of his worst behavior, which I thought was a really, really good choice. Yes. And, I mean, also, she's just really attracted to him because he's so handsome, but he's also very modest. When he's really into her because she's so unkempt. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, It it just was really, I don't know. I felt like it was just very well written, very well expressed. Yes. She's a really fun character. I think she's... A lot of times when you see women who have been, like, raised in the country, they're either super family-minded or super reclusive. And she's clearly, like, an extrovert who likes people and likes making her dad happy, who just happens to have been raised in, like, this society-less land. Right. And so because of it, rather than being, like, shy or reticent, she's just all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, not just untamed. Yes. And willing to challenge everything about society because it's not logical to her. Yes. And it's not even that she wants necessarily to challenge it. She just inherently does by being like, right. this makes no sense. Right, right. She's not, she's not, she's not anti-establishment. She's just questioning. And you know. independent. 
which is inherently anti-establishment for a woman in the era. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a fun book. It's relatively tame for a Christmas novel. And by that, I mean Christmas novella. Sorry. And by that, I mean, yes, there's a they're sharing the same bed and they, you know, have to share body heat, whatever. But I don't know. I'm not sure how to how to describe it, but it feels very everyday almost like the kind acts that they perform and. Yeah, one of my favorite things is what they really bond over is the fact that they're both very considerate and attuned to the needs of others. And they sort of both realize they want very much to care for these people who have rescued them in the same ways that are attuned and sensitive to their lack of economic circumstances and their current place within the village. And it was just really, really cute to see them work together. I agree with you. There's not the big blizzard or the crippling us right or the like exceptional magic circumstance but that said i do think this is a little more common in the romance novel novel novella genre than you may think they're just not the ones we read (laughs) that's that's very fair (laughs) all right should we move on to content warnings or trigger warnings yeah were there any no. Okay. I didn't think so. I wrote one, but I was like, this really isn't a content warning. <laughs> it's more under sexiness, let's be real. Yeah. Okay. So nothing too nothing too triggering. Uh sexiness. Um you know, for everything we just said about him ending up a virgin at the end still and the lack of extreme ust sexier than I was expecting. Uh, look, I'm just saying for a book where all you get is dry humping and third base is very hot. <laughs> right? I, I liked for all that he's a stick in the mud and super, super proper, I thought, and this all happens in like 72 hours, I thought, thought the slow peeling back of his resistance and the change of his mindset was like rushed but believable. Yes. Well, Which look, is what I want in a Christmas novella. Right. Let's, let me just tell you that at the beginning of the book, I mean, he, he saw Lucy walking on down the road and he basically was like, whoa, that girl is hot, you know, immediately. And inappropriate. Hot and inappropriate, yes. <laughs> so then he spends the night at her place. And then the next morning he wakes up with morning wood, as most men do. And he starts thinking about Lucy. And then it just says like, he happened to realize he was like touching himself and then he's like, oh, how horrible would I be if I masturbated to thoughts of this woman in a house where her father has been giving me hospitality. It's just like, that's how proper this dude is. <laughs> it was, I like, kind of loved it. Yeah. It, it was amazing. It was an amazing scene. This is this is where the humor comes in. Like it wasn't super humorous, but it was kind of ironic. That like understated ironic humor. Yeah. Well, and you've got these two people who have been sharing a bed and, you know, had to pretend they're married and their first kiss, even though it's been like building up to be this busty thing, ends up being this awkward forced public thing. 
Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where the humor fell in was like you kept expecting things to go one way and then they went a totally different way. Right. Right. I don't know. And then the anyway, the final the final scene cuz basically the book the book basically ends with their their last night together in bed. Yes. And the way it ends is just so great. It's just really nice. I really enjoyed what they both learned about themselves and what they weren't quite willing to be done with yet. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cute. Just really cute. Okay. Now, I realize that we forgot this section of the previous book, our previous Christmas novella, and I apologize to all of you listeners out there because this is one of my favorite parts about reading the Christmas novellas. <laughs> I like Lane, too. She gives it a candy cane rating. <laughs> Yeah, is it out of five or out of ten? Remind me. You get to pick. Okay. So I'm going to say five candy canes is the max. We'll go Goodreads scale. Okay. I'm going to give this four candy canes. Ooh. There's a Christmas Day party. There's mistletoe. There's snow. There's good tidings and treating your neighbor well. There's a Christmas goose. There's a good, There's no Christmas tree. Right, so that's where it loses a point. Okay. There's not enough of the garish, like, commercial Christmas. Right. There's oh, no, it's so non-commercial, yeah. It, there's not enough, like, really gaudy decorations. There's not enough, like, baking Christmas things. Like, they make a dried apple pie instead of, they like, do bake. But not Christmas cookies. That's true. And not anything traditional. And, like, even when, when they do sit down for a hot beverage, it's, like, I brought rum, let's get trashed. <laughs> Which, I'm not saying I disapprove of that. I'm on my fourth straight weekend of mulled wine, and my version of mulled wine has half a bottle of whiskey in it. Right. But I just, like, I need it. A true five out of five needs a little more, like, Christmas magic. Okay. But four out of five candy canes is pretty but good. Very Christmassy. Very Christmas. Pretty spectacular, I have to be honest. Yeah. Thank you guys right. so for listening. <laughs> We'd love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet wherever you can find Plot Trist.